0: Two hundred twenty-seven of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. We will not be talking about the show with the same name, two two seven. Although I did enjoy it. Uh, ashes, you're giving me a weird look. You've never seen two two seven? Oh my god!
1: What what is it?
0: Uh, it was Marla Gibb, uh Sherman Hemsley. Oh, it was great. It was on on Saturday. Barry nights. Gibb. No, not not him. He's,
1: he's staying alive. Although yes. Not anymore.
0: Yeah. But uh, I am your host, Patsy wah, the wah. Angry Nerd, and uh, we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor and brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee as we are part of the Dorkening Network. And as you can tell, I uh, already have uh, kind of spoiled the surprise, but I am joined as usual by my host on the show and my host in life, or co-host in life. Wow, it is. Yeah,
1: I, am, I am your host.
0: <laughs> uh, does
1: that mean you're a parasite
0: Does that mean oh, maybe
1: Marriage uh, is parasitism
0: Mar- marriage is parasitic <laughs> Parasitic toleration
1: it's a it's a symbiotic relationship sometimes
0: yeah uh, it shouldn't be parasitic that's uh, unhealthy. But uh, she is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. She is Ashes Von Nightmare.
1: Happy Halloween, everyone. Oh, it's
0: so close to Halloween. Well, and uh,
1: so spooky?
0: I'm excited because uh, so today I received spooky. my copy of Wolfman's Got Nards, the documentary, oh. even though we got a... Uh, Spooky. got a nice uh uh screener for it. I wanted to support the film as well. Ooh. Yes, yes, you're spooky. So, today we are uh we're discussing one of our favorite movies that for some reason somehow we went like 8 years between watching cuz it at least 8 years seems like it's, longer. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, um we're talking today about Coraline Jones, not Caroline, Coraline, uh, brought to you by Henry Selleck, who uh, also directed A Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: And the same studio that brought you Paranorman, who we yes. spoke about a couple of weeks ago.
0: Uh, and, you know, we've we've been on this... Uh, this uh, kick stop touching wires
1: touch
0: touch we've been on this kick of uh spooky stop stop touching stuff no you're gonna disconnect things yes you're not stop touching stop touching will you stop touching things
1: um touch touch stop having so many things to touch
0: no drink your wine
1: okay
0: um we've been watching a lot of spooky uh stop motion stuff We have have our uh, Frank and Weenie we watched the other day.
1: I really like the marriage between, speaking of marriage and symbiotic relationships, I really like the marriage between stuff that's kind of cutesy, stuff that's supposed to... um, Stuff that's supposed to not be horror related, not mm. be spooky, not be creepy with things that are creepy. So like A Nightmare Before Christmas or, you know, Paranorman, Frank and Weenie, Coraline. You know, when we think of corpse animated.
2: Bride.
1: What? Oh, yeah. Corpse The crope Bride. The bride. Um, you know, typically when we think of animation, we think of something adorable and, and cute and fun and nice. You know, we don't think of creepy and, you know, scary and, you know, and, and some of the subject matters for these these films are absolutely, I mean, could potentially be absolutely terrifying, especially oh, I mean, to this, a child.
0: I mean, we're going to get into it with Coraline, but like, you know, she has to eventually find... The eyes of murdered children, so their souls can rest. Like, that's a little weird. That's a little nutty. Um, it's,
1: a, it's it's, pretty heavy. It can, like, some of these films can get pretty heavy when you really delve into the subject matter. But, I mean, at the same time, a lot of them have great narratives. Mm-hmm. They have really great stories, you know. Then good voice acting. Rap, well, I mean, great voice acting, but, like, the animation that it's itself is just. It is so well done, and you know, especially with with Coraline, you get this great contrast between the how colorful her character is, the kind of gray world that's around her in the real world, Mm -hmm. and then this really colorful other world that she ventures to. And we'll get into that. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll
0: we'll get into that. But
1: um, I just, I just think it's so, it's so gorgeous it's just uh it really is like a feast for the eyes and watching frank and we the other night so it's entirely done in black and white but the attention to detail mm-hmm. is so delicious it's so just fantastic and then you know you have um like the nightmare before christmas that in the halloween world halloween town um
0: all it's, yeah, it's all the dark Yeah, it's all the dark and
1: creepy stuff. And then, you know, he goes to Christmas Town, and it's a complete, you know, 180 in it's contrast. It's representative of the, holi- the holiday. Well, right, that, right. But I'm just saying, know. like, you know, it, it's so just, uh, if you're really into, like, visual. the art. Yeah, the visual arts of, of things. Like, these animations are just so well done.
0: Mm. So... What we thought we'd do today for our, our getting into character question, because this uh, centers a lot on, you know, as as some of the other films we talked about as well, centers on uh, the traveling back and forth between two different worlds, you know, uh, d- worlds that are separated by a simple door or, you know, maybe it's a little more complicated to get there. And it's it's. Uh, you know you're you're gonna have uh, a difficult time finding your way back because of how you ended up there in the first place, so we're gonna talk about some of our favorite uh, stories that have uh, alternate versions of Earth, and uh, I'm gonna start off by saying uh, one of my favorite is uh, the Dark Tower series because that bounces back between several versions of Earth. You know as so you go back and forth with, uh, you know what they call Keystone Earth, which is uh, where the, the Dark Tower is, um, or Midworld, where the Dark Tower is, and Keystone Earth. And it's kind of like Marvel's uh, universe or DC's universe where they have, like, you know, Earth-616. And, you know, in this version of Earth, the Justice League is evil. And in this version of Earth, you know, Superman landed in Russia instead of Kansas, and he became a Russian superhero. And, you know, it's... Um, the Dark Tower is interesting because it, it it's kind of like all of Stephen King's different worlds and different things take place in those worlds as uh as the events of the main story unfold like there's you know there's a a uh, a part in book 5 where there are these they call them wolves but they look kind of like Doctor Doom and they have lightsabers and they throw uh what they call in the book sneeches but they're like if you were to weaponize the snitches from Harry Potter snitches like get that that's, that's literally what they are so what about you what's a, what's an uh, uh, an alternate world you like
1: so this might be a little bit of a stretch but i think it i think it fits the chalk drawing scene from Mary Poppins when they jump into the drawing and it's this whole Universe that was created by Bert in the sidewalk chalk scene. And it's one of my favorite scenes of of the film. And it's this really just fantastical universe. And uh, of the times, they were doing a lot of the real life with animation. And so you got a little bit of that. It was very
0: difficult to do.
1: I mean, so you not only had the the animated animals that both you know they spoke and they danced and they sang. Yeah, the whole penguin scene, Um, the the carousel horses, Mm -hmm. you know becoming unattached to the carousel and Mary Poppins entering a horse race only to win. Oh, the very idea. Uh, you know, the whole band number and it's from supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so beautifully done. And again, like visually just absolutely gorgeous. But it's such a fun scene and it doesn't really take away from anything i I think it adds a lot to the film because you get to see kind of like how fun mary poppins can be she kind of she kind of lets her hair down a little bit so to speak Mm uh you know and and her interactions with bert and you know the way she she not only just doesn't really cater to the kids but she definitely includes the kids on her on her fun on the on this adventure so um i yeah i have to say mary poppins
0: um i'm also going to go with uh another alternate world storyline where we were we were talking about some of this stuff um the matrix where it turns out that Whoa. where you thought you were was actually the imaginary world and you travel through to the real world and as with most of these uh most of these examples the real world is very disappointing when compared to the simulation or the you know fantastical version of Earth that you're you're visiting. You know we see that in Coraline. We'll be talking about that. We see that even you know like you were saying with um, uh, a Nightmare Before Christmas. You know there's there's different versions. You know with the different holiday towns. Um, like they may not be different versions of Earth. But like you have to go through a portal in order to travel from one to the other, and you know you always—it's one of those—the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Or if you go by uh, the uh, lyrics from Soundgarden's "Rusty Cage," the grass is always greener where the dogs are shitting. So what else? What else uh, do you have?
1: So another one that came to mind pretty much immediately, is The Wizard of Oz. And we talk about this a little bit off air. Uh, Mm -hmm. The contrast from the beginning of the film, where it's all done in black and white. The
0: brownish sepia tone, kind of representing like the dust bowl.
1: Yeah, you know, and just very drab and plain and... You know Judy Garland singing about somewhere over the rainbow, only for her to enter this alternate universe. And you know, obviously, we later find out that it was just kind of like a a, a slight concussion coma dream dream. <laughs> um, but still, but it's this alternate universe that she enters, and there are these fantastical creatures and people, and you know, just the 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 journey that she goes on. But this this universe this world is so different because primarily because it's so colorful in comparison to her other world mm-hmm. and you know immediately you know i would just say at first she's met with wonderment and you know like oh wow you know, she's given this great pair of shoes by the way um You know, only for her to go on this journey and realize, well, you know, home's not so bad. I just, I really want to go home now. I want to be home.
0: Yeah, it might suck. And like that evil lady's trying to kill my dog, but at least there aren't like people hurling fireballs at me.
1: Right. Like, you know, so even though she was able to kind of dream up this world that she thought she wanted to be in with all of these, you know, friends and creatures and you know, other beings that resembled people from her real life, she realized that she missed them and she wanted her old life back. And, you know, like you said, the whole grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. The poppy fields are always poppier on the other side.
0: <sighs> Everybody getting strung out on opium.
1: poppies. Poppies will make them sleep.
0: Uh I'm gonna go with one more.
2: Puppies.
0: And uh it's kind of obscure because I, I hadn't seen the, this movie before uh this year. But I'm gonna go with uh Tron. Tron's another uh, very interesting uh you know, alternate world uh both of the movies were pretty good, but um it was you know, it reminded me a lot of The Matrix. I mean, obviously, The Matrix, you know, kind of picked up off of Tron because Tron came out, like, early 80s, like 80, 81, somewhere in there. And The Matrix didn't come out till 99. But, yeah, I, I thought that was a really uh, interesting take on, uh, on traveling to another world, even though it was just inside a video game. Yeah, I like that. Uh, do you have another one?
1: Yeah, I have one more. So I have to go with Alice in Wonderland. Mm. And the there have been multiple versions of this book made into a film. But I think the version that I like best, and the book is fantastic. Lewis Carroll did an amazing job creating this world using just words. Mm-hmm. Some illustration, but, but just words for the most part. The Disney version, the original Disney version of Alice in Wonderland is just so phenomenally done. You know, you have these these flowers that sing and then try to kill her. You know, you have this...
0: The bird that thinks she's a snake for some reason.
1: You know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You have this hookah-smoking caterpillar. You know, you have this...
0: I- did like the uh, live action version when it was Alan Rickman
1: you know, the live action I I don't hate the live action I, I really enjoy it you know I think Tim Burton did a pretty good job with it but when it comes down to it I, I just think the animated there's something about the animated version that's just I don't know I don't know it just it just does it for me like it's I, I love it especially it's the true whole to the book. Um, Queen of Hearts scene. Mm. You know, you have these these gatekeepers, these, you know, uh queensmen, so to speak. Queens and they're card. all cards. Like anthropo- anthropomorphized cards. And I just think it's so and they're literally painting the roses red. Like it's just so bizarre and it works. And you know, this this evil queen who who just, who just it just works. I, I love I love this world that was created, and I and I love the how you know how she had to get there, the whole eat me, drink me. She fell down a hole, um, you know, trying to find the white mouse, rabbit, white mouse, right, white rabbits. Um, you know and then and then at the end you know she she wakes up but it's like well was it was it a dream or did it really happen i kind of like that you're left and it can to go question way. right yeah i, I kind of like that you're left to question you know if she if she really entered this world or you know was the 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 stress of what was going on around her you know caused her to have this just hallucinogenic like dream
0: i mean she was eating a lot of mushrooms so I mean, it's entirely possible, but I like these things that they require zero proof in order to exist. So I I, I find that, and you know, another one, you know, couple honorable, men, you know, labyrinth. Oh uh, yeah, labyrinth, labyrinth is a great <laughs> one. But I think all of these, even the Matrix, kind of owe owe their uh, their 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 origins to Alice in Wonderland, and um, you know, because we didn't do any research on when th- what came first. Uh, and because it, it just popped into my head, uh, *Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe*. You know, *The Chronicles of Narnia*. Like, which one of those came first? You know, like traveling interdimensionally, like between all these fantastical realms. Mm-hmm. I mean, *The Wizard of Oz* came out in 1939, and I think that was written in the 1800s. You know, so there's a lot of these. Uh, you know, and, uh, of course, everything Jules Verne did. You know, like *Journey to the Center of the Earth*. Like that's kind of like traveling into another. Dimension, but, you know, there's seeds of these things in each... And
1: then there's the whole A Wrinkle in Time universe.
0: Yeah, and, like, so there's seeds from all these different stories that, you know, kind of get picked up, and, you know, you never know, like, depending on where you plant them, they're going to flourish in different ways. So uh, I I really like these types of stories, especially, you know, they don't have to be grounded in reality, and whatever you do uh, is perfectly fine because you're making everything up, so... Yeah, it doesn't have to make sense just has to be fun
1: and I think it uh, says something about people's ability to imagine things to be able to create these worlds not only create them but be able to invite other people into these worlds like hey I, I I created this world I wrote these words read these words and come on this journey with me
0: Einstein once said imagination is more important than knowledge
1: I mean, it's, it's tr- honestly, you know, like, like knowledge can only get you so far. Knowledge can also drive you insane.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I think, think
1: imagination is what keeps us all grounded.
0: Well, imagination. I mean, if you it's like, all right, I know how to do this thing that already exists. Like I know how to, you know, build a house out of, you know, out of logs. Well, what if I were to build it out of, you know, stone instead well that takes imagination and ingenuity like if you can conceive of something and then you can then create it that's the imagination part i mean
1: imagination gets you thinking the what if
0: a hundred years ago there were no televisions you know it's you know and again you know harkening back to jules verne like jules verne like these are some of the things that he invented you know televi or imagined television, the atom bomb, uh that was H. G. Wells, the man in the high castle, I believe. But those things had to be imagined before they could be, you know, put into practice. Like, oh, imagine if we could do this and then you start putting those things into practice. Electric cars. But I mean like that's that's
1: kind of part of the basis of science. Yeah. It's being able to say, I know this but what if, and kind of, you know, using part of your imagination and part of of f- factual evidence to say, what if we were to put this in this situation? You know, right. that, That's it's, ultimately what a hypothesis is. I know
0: if I take, you know, element A and element B, they're going to react a specific way. But what if I were to add something? I mean, like, that's how... I think the Bronze Age, you know, the Stone Age to the Bronze Age to the Steel Age, you know, like these things change, like how we get different alloys. What if I mix this with this? What if I mix that with that? You know, and... That's how you come up, and then that, that's I mean, how stories I, are made.
1: That's how I do a lot of problem, sol- problem solving problem for solving? Prob- problem uh, problem solving for my job. You know, working with different instruments and stuff. Sometimes it's just like, oh, this isn't working. Well, what if I do this? What if I took this part
0: off of that and glued it here? Put yeah, a whistle on it. You
1: know, like it's sometimes it's like, hey, I, I saw something like this on a tv show Mm -hmm. let me see if this works so anyways
0: but yeah uh continue to imagine and create and uh let us know what your some of your favorite uh alternate reality worlds are
1: the imagination land from south park
0: oh that's a good one uh let us know at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll be right back with our discussion on Coraline.
2: Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, (coughs) it's scary. Hey there,
0: this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play,
2: and of course, at talesfromthepodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> it's time for the first annual Epic Airways Podcast Network Scarathon.
0: Eight great podcasts, nine amazing episodes, one epic prize to win. Listen for the keywords in each episode, then put all words
2: together to form a single sentence. From October 22nd till Fright Night itself, October 31st, listen to these great shows. Amalga Cast. Amalga Files. Epic Tales Podcast. Epic Tales of Darkness. Epic Tales from the Sewers. Retro Red Octopus. Those Not-So-Super-Dudes.
0: And Throwdown Thursday. Be sure to check out the post in Amalgamania
2: for official rules, details, and prize. Good luck, and stay creepy.
0: The secret word is Verata. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards, a documentary, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday.
2: (laughs) Hmm. Coraline Jones always dreamed of finding a better world. Ah. A world more exciting than this. Uh. But never did she imagine that she'd discover it in her own home. A parallel place. We've been waiting for you, Coraline. Where parents are always fun. I love your garden! Can't believe you did this! And everything is so good. What's wow. shaking, baby? It just can't be real.
1: Mom? You're just in time for supper, dear. You're not my
2: mother. My mother doesn't have. Buttons? Do you like them? I'm your other mother, silly. You probably think this world is a dream come true. My name! But you're wrong. You do like it here, don't you, Coraline? You could stay here forever. There's one tiny little thing we need to do. Black is traditional. (gasps) She's got this whole world where everything's better, but it's all a trap. You may come out when you've learned to be a loving daughter. From Henry Selick, the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas, comes a world of extraordinary imagination. Spooky secrets. Who are you? You're in terrible danger, girl. And daring discoveries.
1: I still have to find my parents to set them free.
2: This year, when adventure comes knocking. choo <laughs> There are some doors that should never be opened. I'm not Coraline, written for the screen and directed by Henry Selick. Presented in Real D3D.
0: And we are back, uh, that of course being the trailer for Coraline, which... Uh, you know, it, it it's weird. It it felt like we hadn't seen this in forever, and it turns out that we really hadn't. Um, we have this super cool, super ultra mega special Blu-ray thing that I thought we got it like that's entertainment, but uh, you you corrected me on that. Where did we end up getting this super ultra special with like all kinds of books and 3D glasses and you know special features every which way?
1: Five below.
0: Yeah, which is uh,
1: the five dollars store. Yeah, everything is f- five
0: dollars or less, and we got that quality of a, a, a Blu-ray. And I think after you said it, because it had been a long time since we had gone there to get it, after you said it, I think I kind of remember like, holy shit, I have to get this. It's only five dollars. Uh, this is a great. This is a great. Uh, uh, great value, not to be confused with Walmart's great value line of products. Um, This is not Great Value Coraline. This is for real Coraline. And the first thing I want to say about this movie is that this...
1: Great Value Coraline would be Caroline.
0: Caroline, yes. Caroline Jones. Um, The first thing I want to say about this movie is, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to save what I was going to say till now. And I said it about Paranorman as well. When you have these stop-motion films you can really accentuate the eccentricities of your characters with mm-hmm. your character design like Ian McShane's character who had the mouse circus
1: Mr. Bubinski
0: yeah or the two ladies that were uh, that lived downstairs that used to be actresses with a, one of them with a giant fucking rack not just
1: actresses burlesque
0: yes they were in uh, all those uh very adult themed uh shows that you get to see all their posters Shakespeare
1: knockoffs even
0: yes um which are definitely uh aimed at the the grown-ups watching this with their kids or in your in your and i case uh aimed at us um but yeah like you get to see how these you know really uh uh, the unusual or unorthodox body types are are used to accentuate the the weirdness of the characters or their you know various um, character traits that you know you kind of want to show off and 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 um, you know really like they're weird and over the top and it's like this is what we want to showcase about these people like they're weird body types tell a backstory and we get to see this uh, with the other mother especially towards Mm -hmm. the end of the the film like it's not subtle at all
1: it's kind of like everything serves a purpose in order to tell a story without really giving you a lot of exposition
0: even the posture of uh, YB which is probably the worst worst name YB why born why were you born uh, yeah, his full name is Wyborn. Like, that's... Ugh. But uh, his...
1: Hey, he didn't choose it. No, <laughs> But, like, h- the way
0: his neck and his head kind of hang down. Like, he's got this huge head on a really thin, spindly neck. And, like, his posture, the way he walks with, like, the kind of slumped shoulders. Like, life has defeated him. Uh, even though he's, like, you know, 12. um, I will say... This story i what I liked about this it was because it was popular. it was parodied by The Simpsons on one of their Halloween specials, Cora Lisa um and they pretty much did it you know shot for shot because it's it's a Simpsons remake. they put their own twist on it um
1: buttons, please yes,
0: um this story was written by Neil Gaiman. And in the movie, Keith David does the voice of the cat, but in the Simpsons parody, Neil Gaiman does the voice of the cat, which I thought was phenomenal. I thought that was so good. Um, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, already the talking cat is the is the the second most interesting thing in this tunnel. Like, yeah, he was he was good, and his stories are. I mean, you want to talk about imagination? Like, that's a dude that you know, that rocks his imagination so for all the world to see.
1: Apparently I read that in an interview Neil Gaiman has admitted that Coraline is his favorite adaptation of any and all of his so this is all of the films and all of the uh television shows that have come out
0: yeah all of his based stuff.
1: off of his stuff. Coraline is his favorite adaptation Mm. and apparently the story came about because he went to write Caroline and misspelled it as Coraline and was like oh I think I might have something here
0: yeah and he's he's brilliant to begin with so like the fact that he's able to create an entire world off of a single typo is
1: right like that's just that's incredible
0: yeah, it's it again, it's a testament to the uh, talent and genius that he has. And I do want to point out, again, this is not Tim Burton. So many people just assume, like we talked about with Paranorman, so many people just assume that if it's stop motion and it's weird and creepy, it's got to be Tim Burton. It's like, well, yeah, he did Corpse Bride, he did Frankenweenie, he did... Um, you know, the con- like he created the concepts for all of these things. He didn't direct everything. You know, James and the Giant Peach, um, which again was a rolled doll story, but they did the creepy animation. Um Jack Skellington even has a cameo in it. Um there was uh, you know, what what are the other ones? Um Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas, Paranorman, Frank and Weenie, um I think that's. You're talking about just just like the weird or, no 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 just or, like or the just weird, weird creepy stuff, but everybody just assumes or automatically attributes it to to him. I mean, like this was directed by Henry Selnick, who also directed Nightmare Before Christmas. But this was also, as you heard in the trailer, it was adapted from Neil Gaiman's uh, original work into uh, the screenplay by Henry Selnick as well. Now I will say this. We were watching some of the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, and I don't know what was going on with the cinematography. Like, they were having Henry Selick sit there, and he would explain each scene. Fine. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. But then they would suddenly, like, cut to, like, a shot of him looking in the opposite direction, making a different facial feature, but still have the audio track of him speaking. It was weird and off-putting, but not in, like, a cool this is creepy Coraline way. It was just like, someone really screwed this up. But I will say one of the things, it wasn't a deleted scene, but one of the things that they wanted to bring attention to, it took 66 days to animate this little mouse sequence. And they're like, you know, we wanted to show this in the deleted scenes because it's at the end of the credits and not everybody you know this is pre marvel everywhere not everybody sits through all the credits to see what happens at the end which i just thought was interesting it was a 66 day process and it lasted all of what 10 seconds
1: well the film was shot over the course of 18 months which had followed 2 years of pre-production and speaking of the character coraline there were 24 different puppets used in the uh, the making of this movie as far as Coraline goes, the character. Uh, Each puppet took 10 individuals and three to four months to construct. Yeah. Each puppet took
0: 10 people for Coraline
1: and 3 to 4 months and those are only the the 24 puppets that were used apparently there were other puppets Mm -hmm. that weren't used and what's crazy is at a point in the film Coraline shows 16 different expressions in the span of 35 seconds
0: yes and it's unbelievable like, and you can see a little bit in the deleted scenes like you can see the line that goes across the face where uh, the different eyes would be swapped out or the different mouths like I know with Jack Skellington when they did this because it was a similar process they had like a bajillion different heads that they would put on each one was like they would have them laid out like okay here's head one through 50 and he's gonna be saying hello Sally and like you know have the different heads that did the different mouth movements
1: yes so her facial combinations consisted of 3d printed prototypes new technology enabled a prototype to be molded by a computer which was then hand painted by the modeling department each jaw replacement was clipped between Coraline's eyes resulting in a visible line which was later digitally removed frame by frame there were a total of 207,336 possible face combinations for the character, for Coraline, one character. For
0: Coraline, yeah.
1: And a fact that I thought was pretty just... I've never heard of this before. So there was a crew member hired specifically to knit miniature sweaters and other clothing for the puppet characters using knitting needles almost as thin as human hair.
0: Yeah. Because you'd have to have the tiny. I had no idea that was a thing,
1: but like that's the thing. Like they hired someone to knit because they wanted authenticity Mm -hmm. to knit all of the clothing. So not just sew some fabrics together or use some hot glue or anything like that. Like to knit these sweaters and these clothing pieces and everything. Like that's crazy. And speaking of knitting, I think the opening sequence of this film is one of my favorite. Opening sequences of all time. The making of the Coraline doll.
0: Because it's not just like, here's how, you know, we're making this doll, you know, but it's like the painstaking animation of someone making a doll. But
1: it's not even somebody, it's somebody dismantling a doll.
0: I'm done with this one. Time to make a new one.
1: And then remantling. A doll. <laughs> no, it's a mess. assembled Stephanie. You see these people on YouTube. I like to watch doll makers on YouTube sometime. Usually, the ones that I watch uh, work with different, like Barbie type dolls or There's Monster always music High in the background. Like. La, 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 la. Um, and what they do is they pretty much rip the doll's hair out clean the face like any any paint job anything that's on there clean it up so pretty much what they have is this naked template
0: uh, like our friend uh over at biohazard babies
1: yes yes kind of exactly what like she does Veronica amazing does. work yes um so you know it's it's you you Check take out her this store. You take this thing, this toy, this doll, you take it apart and then you put it back together. And you put it back together in the way that you envision it looking. So, you know, you rethread the hair, you repaint the face, you, you know, make new clothes for it. You do pretty much, all, you know, if you're working with, um, like stuffed dolls, you, you know, restuff them, you do all of these things to create this doll in the image that you're looking to create. And I think that's what is so fantastic with the beginning, this opening sequence, is, you know, we have no idea what's going on, and then all of a sudden you see this finished product, this doll, that looks an awful lot like our title character.
0: Yeah, and the doll, first of all, the... Doll that uh, ha- has served its purpose comes floating through the window, and then once the Coraline doll is made, it is then launched out into the ether to be found uh, in a trunk by uh, Mister Wybie. So, like, I'm always uh, I'm always impressed when it comes to animation and stop motion in particular because. Um, It's such painstaking work. Like, you have to make sure that your models are a specific, uh, specific, uh, the the light, like, you have to have the right lighting, but it can't be too hot. You know, and, you know, we're talking about stuff that was 3D modeled. Like, this movie came out in 2009, which means they started pre-production in, like, 2006, 2005 even. So it's not exactly like it was the most, you know, cutting-edge 3D technology, 3D printing technology. Um, You know, obviously now it's, you know, you can crank this shit out like it's nothing. You know, you can do it at home if you want. But back then, like, it was significantly different. You know, we're talking, you know, it's like, okay, we have this idea. Now we're going to make the movie. So you have pre production, you have thousands of dolls to make because, you know, and that's just the dolls, that's not uh, the sets. You know the you know the the trees, the cat, the the all the different the 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 mouses and whatnot. Like there's so much that goes into stop motion, and I think you know it might be my favorite form of animation because of you know, like I said, you can really accentuate the ec- eccentricities of the characters by, you know, giving them long spindly legs, but like a huge midsection and making them gymnasts and they flip around and jump and sound like Ian McShane because they are Ian McShane. Um, And it also gives you like that that creepy factor as well.
1: So jumping into our character for today, Coraline, we're introduced to Coraline pretty much right off the bat Mm -hmm. in this film. And we see her, and she is eccentric with her bright blue hair and her rain slicker and she... Her stompers. Her stompers, yes. And we see that she is this typical, clever, quirky, curious, adventurous, brave, determined, independent, stubborn... Little reckless, you know. Preteen. Preteen.
0: Yeah, she's what, like, I would say she could be any, because she's a doll, you don't know, but she could be like nine to 12.
2: She, well, be, given
1: her, like, attitude and everything, like, she's probably around 12 years old. And she has just moved to this new place from a different state and she's not happy about it
0: yeah i forget where where they are exactly i
1: think they're in oregon
0: and she moved from pontiac michigan Michigan. so i mean the weather is going to be different you know it's very foggy here in oregon you know we see uh yb uh looking for uh banana slugs
1: but like she's just she's just miserable right off the bat and she's kind of taking it out on everyone. Clearly this move wasn't her idea. She really didn't have much say, if any say in she it. She left at her all. friends behind. You know, she left her friends behind and you know, as a kid who moved around a lot, like I can totally identify with that. You know, it's it's difficult as a grown up moving. Mm -hmm. But like it's also really hard as a child moving and especially moving from one place to a vastly different place, a different state where you have to you know say goodbye to your friends and leave them behind S- go into a new school district you know it's it's one thing having to you know go into a new school but like having to make new friends and you know do everything from scratch all over again and then come to find out her new school requires them to wear uniforms which just kind of you know a tr- contributes to this whole gray drab aesthetic that is gloves. being painted, you know, in front of us. She, they move into, the, the family moves into this, looks like it used to be a mansion. Uh, yeah. And it has been redesigned palace. and Not turned that into Not from Magenta Manor. And so that's where the... Neighbors come into play, Mr. Bubinski, who lives upstairs. In the attic and the uh, burlesque ladies who live downstairs.
0: And they have like weird names. like their names are verbs. Well, I gotta I gotta look it up now.
1: And they're living in this place. and even though the the outside is pink and pretty, uh, the interior is just really gray Spink and, and, forcible. and drab and just, you know, everything that Coraline isn't. And Coraline wants attention and she wants to explore and she wants to do stuff and her parents are busy. So her parents are in the process of starting a, like, gardening magazine, or they work for a magazine, or something to do with loving mulch. I heart mulch.
0: Yes. It's almost like they're, you know, like a blog or a vlog or, you know. They're
1: working. They they have a deadline that they're trying to you know uh get their stuff out by they had just spent that time moving they need to work you know the house has not been unpacked yet uh the 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 cupboards are empty the fridge is empty there's like no you know there's no food there's nothing to do Coraline is bored Uh, which I mean I don't blame homegirl for being so freaking bored I would be bored too and you know her parents just you know in a in a typical like parental fashion just kind of you know tell her to go off go play, I'm busy you need to go away and so they're kind of painted initially anyways in, in this in this light of being I don't want to say bad parents but just not interested very uninterested in their child's life. However, we're only seeing them in this one instance. So, we don't really have too too much of a backstory.
0: I will I will give her dad a little bit of credit because he's trying to like he gives her like that weird scavenger hunt type thing like write down everything that's blue or, you know, count all the doors and windows and you know, kinda like sends her on like this scavenger hunt. And
1: he sings to her. But like, you know, oh, my twitchy yeah, girl. Yeah, I that's after. So I'm nice. talking
0: about at the beginning when like we first see him and she's like trying to talk I to gave him you bowls
1: and of he's and I gave you when bowls he's of trying ice. to
0: do his work. Cream. And she uh, she comes to him and she's like, I'm bored and mom yelled at me and this and that and it's just like, Well here, here's a task to do that you know, you'll enjoy Because you like, you know, these quirky, weird things, but it'll also get you out of my hair so I can work and then we can do stuff later.
1: The dynamic is kind of like you know mom is the head of the household. She's the one who keeps everyone in check and in line and keeps everything organized and keeps things going. Dad's the fun one like you know who likes to kind of break from the mold a little bit and you know mom loves that about dad but yet at the same time if she you know Gives Dad an inch, he'll take a mile. So she kind of has to be the hard ass to keep him, you know. Give in him an check. inch, he'll
0: think he's a ruler.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and 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 Coraline's kind of stuck in the middle of this dynamic right now, you know. And 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 this is what we're seeing, anyways. We don't really know too too much about the parents, except for the fact that the mother rear-ended a truck. And cracked up their Volkswagen Beetle, which is why Beetle bug. bug?
0: It's a beetle. Bug. Either way.
1: Um. Which is why she's wearing the the neck, neck brace. brace. Uh, so anyway, I couldn't tell if it was a
0: neck brace or if it was just like her turtleneck. The
1: parents are busy. The parents are busy. They got things to do. They just moved. They have, you know, deadlines to make. They have all this they they just don't have time for Coraline, and they're kind of dismissive to her, which, you know, I think anybody would be frustrated in that instance. So Coraline goes out, and she's just kind of, you know, walking around and stuff, and she meets the neighborhood boy, whose grandmother is the landlady of the Pink Palace, Whitey, Wyborn, or as she calls him, why were you born? And that's a whole nother dynamic I want to talk about because you know she was really dismissive towards YB. YB says, "Hey, you're the new girl." You know, kind of like let's. He be did friends. freak her out. Well, I mean, he had that g- weird
0: mask with the green eyes, and he came riding his bike at her, and he did stop her from falling into well and dying.
1: This is true. He,
0: she's like, "I'm looking for the old well," and he's like, "Well, I'll take another couple of steps, and you'll be falling into it." But, yeah, his uh, his name is W-H-Y-B-O-R-N-E. Wyborn. And you can hear his grandmother calling him a few Why times.
1: Wyborn!
0: Uh, yeah. And he, is, he tells her that he's not allowed to go near the Pink Palace because his grandmother's sister disappeared there one day. And they never showed up. So he can go play around there.
1: He just can't go in. He can't go
0: in because... It is cursed,
1: but he's trying to befriend Coraline, and she's being really, well, she's being really stubborn and just kind of cranky about it. Cause like you know what, I I can't be with my old friends, so I don't want any friends at all.
0: She does befriend a, a talking cat who talks like Keith David, mainly because he's voiced by. Keith David,
1: but and um, well, I mean, not in this universe, in the parallel universe that she finds,
0: and she kind of does, kind of, sort of, like, you know, it's
1: uh, yeah, but there's this there's a stray feral cat around.
0: His name is Mittens.
1: Uh, it is not. It's Mittens. It is. It is not. But anyways. Um, and she's just kind of trying to look for things to keep herself occupied, look for stuff to do and in the process of exploring she comes across this little door that has been wallpapered over, like somebody didn't want people to know that it was there but yet they didn't really do a good job of blocking it
0: yeah, it's almost like, yeah, don't go in here, but, you know, I'm really not going to put up too much of a resistance. I mean, it's like the resistance was uh, wallpaper.
1: And then come to find out, they do find a that they have a they have a drawer of keys, which reminds me of like the typical household junk drawer. That's just like a catch-all for all of the stuff that you're just like, I don't know where this goes, so it can just go in, in here. We have um, one of those.
0: I mean, everybody has one of uh, those.
1: Right. It's, it's for stuff. It's just like uh, um, the junk What's drawer. in there? Well,
0: we have tape, soy sauce from six years ago. Uh, there's three batteries, all different sizes, 450 thumbtacks, um, you know, Uh, menus for restaurants that no longer exist. (laughs) Right. Like, that's what's in your junk drawer.
1: So they get the key to go explore and see what exactly this little door is and where it leads to. And we see that it's all bricked up.
0: That is a much better uh, deterrent than wallpaper.
1: Correct. Correct. And you can tell Coraline's a little... And she's just kind of disheartened it be by anticlimactic like oh my like, god oh,
0: we found this, god, this weird looking key there's a weird door, looking door what is it gonna go do <gasps> oh Nothing. it's bricks that's not cool
1: but that's... however we find out
0: you gotta wait till the m- sun goes down and the moon comes up
1: you gotta wait till the little mice show up schmouses little schmouses show up and take you on this journey. And all of a sudden, the bricks aren't there. It turns into this magical, colorful tunnel that she crawls through and is spit out into the exact replica of her house. Like she's home.
0: It's almost, it's not quite an exact replica. It's... An idealistic version. It's
1: slightly... Yes, it's slightly different. And in this version, we meet the other mother because apparently everyone has other versions of their parents out there. And Coraline was just lucky enough to meet her other mother and her other father.
0: Yeah, and... I, and the
1: other mother is a fantastic cook, and the fridge is stocked, because and the cupboards regular are not mom, bare, because regular mom does n- not know how to cook, she or she cook. doesn't cook well.
0: She do, No, she doesn't cook. That's the deal. Dad cooks, she cleans. But dad, like, he made that weird fucking casserole, which, I, it was kind of upsetting that they cut this out because the The animation animation was was amazing. Like, they had it bubbling like in, like, you could see it from, like, uh, the point of view was from the back of the stove looking out so that when the dad came over and and opened up the drawer you could see him looking in and, like, you could see like the heat bubbling up on the ends but it was like fucking onions and saltines and, like, orange glop like I don't know. I love what orange it was. glop. Uh, it was it was delicious. Terrible, uh, but it, it looked just the worst. But to like, the point
1: where she did not the, eat it. Yeah, she
0: had the option of she glop to, or bed, she and she chose to bed. bed. I'd be like, "Yep, bedtime. I'm not eating this." So
1: she gets into this other world, this you know other yeah it was this other world with the other mother and other father and there's this whole spread on the table and they know she hasn't eaten and she's obviously starving because she actually hasn't eaten and she eats eats these delicious foods and is able to have anything that she wants to drink and so she gets a mango milkshake
0: which comes down out of a chandelier
1: which is really cool. I want one of those. They have the
0: gravy train.
1: And then they have this big cake that they give her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just making her feel really welcome. And the other mother is so nice and so full of character, where, which, is, which is kind of the opposite of what we see from her, or I should say what we have seen from her real mother at that point. And the other father... You know, uh,
0: oh you play the piano? No, kay- the piano plays me.
1: <laughs> you know, it really caters to her. Mm-hmm. But what's crazy is that in that initial song that the other father sings, it's very like jauntily done and sounds really cute and sounds really fun, but there are little hints that he's giving her. That mm-hmm. things may not be as what nice they seem as
0: uh, they they appear,
1: and you know, little things start giving her. So she she goes to sleep in her bedroom in the other the other pink palace, and then wakes up in her real bedroom at her real house. Yes.
0: And see, this this is where some of the parallels to uh, Wizard of Oz kind of come in because Wizard of Oz, as we know, everything that happens to Dorothy at the beginning, all the people that we see, we later see again, like Mrs. Gulch is the Wicked Witch and, you know, the wizard and, like, you know, all of her, her helpers are, you know, her guides on the way to see the wizard who is the flim-flam man that she saw at the, uh, you know, where... Uh, toto ate the hot dog we start to see some of the things that are in her room start appearing in the other world her uh her little picture frame holder is a mantis and when she goes to visit her other father and sees the garden that they've created he's riding on a mechanical mantis so it's almost like they're taking these little things that they know she likes and is a mm-hmm. fan of. That, you know, if I saw this giant mechanical mantis like charging at me, uh, I don't like mantis in real life because <laughs> there was a time and we've told this story before, but so I'll just reiterate it quick. There was a a six foot long, two hundred and seventy pound mantis on my car. So I had to climb in through the passenger seat, bravely, uh-huh. uh, bravely shoving my wife out of the way so that I could get in, so that we could escape. That's that's why I was trying to it's, escape.
1: It's funny how the mantis gets bigger every time you tell the story. He was the
0: size of a Kaiser roll. He weighed it's 70 pounds. Just,
1: it's, 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 it's kind of, it, it, it's intriguing to me.
0: Well, you know, that's what happens. They're big. They're big and mm-hmm. they... Uh, they carried somebody else away like it was nuts um like when it, like somebody walked by because we escaped into the car and man Mantai can't open car doors it's one of the few uh, scientific actual facts about them uh it's their one weakness
1: car doors car
0: doors so they were able to uh grab somebody else and and Drove away, but these were pe- these were terrible people. Uh, they mixed plastic and paper in their recycling, so uh, they deserve to be eaten by by a mantis. But uh, I digress. She had a mantis uh, little doodly thing that picture holder deal. Mm-hmm. Like she had a picture in a frame, and she like put it on the mantis, and like had it on her bedside. And so then seeing it later on, you know, like all the the different creatures that she saw you know the mice you know the cat the
1: um be is there and his mouth is sewn shut he can't it's not talk.
0: that he, he's not it's not sewn shut like she just didn't give him like his mouth is like painted on like she didn't give him the ability to speak the other mother to, and which should immediately raise a red flag mm-hmm. she goes oh I stopped him from talking he can't speak hmm Go watch a mouse circus. Enjoy your time with the creepy upstairs man. And the cannon that shoots cotton candy, which... That was cool. I want
1: a cotton candy cannon.
0: What I... Where they got their popcorn from. Like, this is an interesting thing. Like, they had, like, this mechanical chicken that would, like, peck at, like, a fake uh, ear of corn and then shit out popcorn like which it works it's, it's fine. not where popcorn comes from okay
1: but it's fine it works i'm just saying like it's, it's an interesting popcorn. attention to
0: detail it's popcorn um but yeah it's you have all these idealistic uh idealized um uh, versions of each character like
1: and each character is catering to coraline in some way
0: like we get to which see which should spank, be
1: another forcible enforceable
0: um
1: they you know, do like, this whole burlesque this,
0: this whole vaudeville show. Yes. And like they're about to do something and they unzip and they're like, you know, seventy years younger. You know, and they're, you know, zipping around and doing all these fun things and Coraline's having a great time and like you said, every every whim is being catered to. Which see, if it was me, I wouldn't have eaten the food to start off with. Like to to me, that's like like, oh, yes, this is everything. It's wonderful here. Here, eat this food that was already prepared. <laughs>
1: I mean, are you hungry? But she goes back to visit this other place because she's so unhappy with her current reality. She visits a few times. Yeah, it's like three or and four times. you see the other mothers start to change a little bit. So, like, in their first meeting, the other mother... Looks exactly like her real mother, except, except she has buttons. buttons for eyes. I,
0: I I I would like to use a word. It's becoming uh, unwound, or uh, I was going to say unhinged, but like things are are starting to unravel.
1: Yes, yes, you that's a, that's a good one. Um, and we slowly start to see the other mother, like, so the next time she's there, the other mother is wearing something different. Mm-hmm. And then her physical appearance slowly starts to change every time Coraline gets there. Almost like, and Coraline doesn't really realize it either. So it's almost like her trying to catch her in this web of lies Yes, that she has created.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's slight but it's like it's almost like each time coraline leaves the glamour the illusion mm-hmm. loses Lessons, yes, loses a little as, bit of power strong. you know dad's and, hair is starting to get a little unkempt the piano that, is a little different
1: you know you have the other father character Trying to give her subtle warnings Mm -hmm. because he flat out tries to tell her something at one point, and the piano that controls him prevented him from doing so. Yes. You know, and it's because the other mother made the other father to love Coraline unconditionally. She's
0: the only real creation in this other world. Everything else is. A fabrication that she has put together, uh, some sort like again you know, a so glamour, even, even, and, and like it. Well,
1: well, so it's Coraline and the cat. Yeah,
0: the, the cat other, can travel back and forth, oh, right? But, but the, I'm cat saying, is, like,
1: the cat is aware of this world, and even the cat, when the cat has the ability to speak. I mean, he He kind of plays plays devil's advocate a little bit. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, actually. Um, Yeah, he's basically letting
0: Coraline figure things out for herself.
1: Right, but he is dropping hints. Cats are indifferent.
0: That's just the way it is.
1: You know, the YB character, even though he lacks the, I should say, the other YB character. Even though that he lacks the ability to speak, is trying to send her signals, trying to, you know, be like, hey, you know, like when the when he failed to smile, so the other mother sewed. That's when she sewed his mouth.
0: Yeah, she like she, jacked she, up his mouth, almost yes. like a Chelsea grin, Joker style.
1: Yes, because he wasn't happy enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, th- that that should have been a red flag. Um, so Coraline eventually starts to come around to the fact that this, this is really, this world really isn't real. And, you know, then the other mother really lets her intentions know by telling her that she wants them to... She wants Coraline to join them by having buttons sewn in her eyes. And
0: she starts to change a little more because Coraline starts to reject her. And this is after all these, you know, the mouse circus and the vaudeville show. All these
1: fantastical things. All these crazy things that are
0: happening that are done specifically for Coraline so she can harvest her soul. And Coraline's like, no, I'm seeing through this. I'm a little older than these other kids. Like it's not quite going to work on me. Uh, But she's the only kid that's available because Wybie will never go into this house Mm -hmm. uh, of his own volition.
1: Well, and the other mother feeds off of sad children because sad children are easier to lure into her web. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, it's easier because like, oh, let me show you what things could be like. They come willingly
1: versus her having to put in more effort to go get a child.
0: Right. Like if she wanted to, she could probably go get Wybie, but... It would take significant effort, and well, I mean, would... not
1: only that. I feel like she likes the hunt. Yes, like this is really enjoyable to well, her. Well, it's like
0: it feeding on the different emotions.
1: Yeah, you know, being able to create this alternate universe, and we see that this alternate universe is only what the other mother—it's as far as her imagination can go.
0: Yeah, it's the house and the surrounding grounds.
1: Meaning, yes, it's it's what she knows. And that's it.
0: I think it's also what Coraline has shown her.
1: Right. And, and Coraline doesn't know too much about the area yet anyways, because she hasn't really had the opportunity to explore. But well, she, she went just to the mulch there. store. Yes, and she went to the school uniform store. And wanted to get the colorful gloves. Um, but she hasn't really seen much and the other mother has done a really good job up to that point to kind of keep her corralled in the area so it's just been like the house and the gardens and that's been it so so when she runs to escape she kind of runs off the page
0: mm-hmm yeah like there's nothing there and like so well what does the cat say she goes how is it you can run away from something and come back to it like you're running away from it and it, it appears in front of you and the cat says run around the world and she goes hmm small world because it is like the mm-hmm. th- the area that she can control where she has power is very limited which is why the grandmother was like hey don't Wybee, don't go into this house and Wybee does eventually go in the house because she drags him along and the whole time he's terrified and all he wants to do is leave uh, and I think that's how the other mother was able to get the duplicate of him she eventually, in order to really, like, um, you know, uh, draw Coraline to her... See, and, I, and then again, I don't know if this is actually real or if this is just an illusion, but she is she traps her parents in, like, a mirror dimension, you know, and they're forces a, them... Yeah, they're
1: in the snow globe on the mantle.
0: Yes, and she sees them in the mirror. Right. Um, And so... She smashes the mirror, but she does take the snow globe eventually.
1: And this is kind of when she starts to, you know, so she gets away from the other mother and thinks that she is victorious. And she's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with that world. I don't need it. I can focus on, you know, what I'm doing and what my, my real life. And the other mother has taken her parents And trapped them in this I think it's like a Detroit snow globe. Yeah. Because it's snow and they're freezing. They're they're it's probably Michigan. It might
0: have even be it might even be their home in in Pontiac.
1: But they're they're ultimately starting to freeze to death. Yes. And Coraline has to do something to save her parents.
0: She uses the classic villain exploit. Like there's always some sort of exploit you can use, like in say uh uh, like in Leprechaun, he has to shine the shoes before he can come after you and kill you. Or, you know, if you throw, what is it, like seeds or coins or something on the ground, like, you know, certain entities have to pick up all the coins. Or if you... you if You
1: toss a coin to your witcher?
0: Oh, oh, Valley McClunky. Um, but no, there's there's all these different things that you have to do, you know, that you can do in order to trick your opponent. Like in this case... The mother has a fondness for games. So Coraline mm-hmm. challenges her to a game, and she what she has to do is rescue the eyes of the children. Now she had given uh she had been given a little uh seer stone by uh Spink forcible They're like she's like, What is this? She's like, Oh, it could be health. It's used for sa- finding uh lost things. No, it's good for seeing evil things. No, it's good for seeing lost things. And she's able to use this to kind of, you know, she sees how colorful the world is, but when she holds it up to her eye, it's a triangular stone with a hole in the middle. Mm -hmm. And when she holds it up to her eye, the world is gray again. and She sees it for what it is, but the eyes of the children stand out as, like, brightly colored, you know, red or yellow or blue.
1: And the children that she's looking to capture the eyes of... Are the former victims, these children who went through the same thing that Coraline went through and ultimately met their demise at the hands of the other mother who sucked, who fed off of their souls, sucked the life out of them.
0: And what they're trying to do is they're trying, you know, she has to find uh, the eyes that are in plain sight. So one of them is. The ball that the uh, you know circus mouse balances on. another one is like the gear shift for the mantis mower dealy. And when she finds each one, that area loses its power mm-hmm. uh, uh, and everything turns it oh it looks like it turns to stone, uh, which may be what happens, but it it, but uh, it, it turns gray. It,
1: yeah, it like wilts, it dies. yeah, and-
0: it loses all of its like form. Like it just turns gray, and that's it. Almost looks like, uh, like a computer simulation mm-hmm. because of the geometric patterns in that that uh, result from her capturing each eye. The third eye is the pearl ring that the uh, uh, Spink and Forcible in their mermaid show, their mermaid vaudeville show, uh, have clasped between their hands um it's it's really cool how she gets each one and how she uses you know her ingenuity and her thoughts and her she learns from each thing that she experiences mm-hmm. you know like she sees what the flowers do the first time she goes there so when she comes back she brings garden shears you know in case you know she uses her uh her various um you know, experiences to inform her. Because, I mean, if you, when you watch it and you rewatch it, you're like, okay, you know, here are the clues that are laid out throughout the entire film. And Coraline is clever enough to pick up on these and then use them uh, to escape uh, the world.
1: Uh, yeah, and ultimately she ends up defeating the other mother. And completely destroys that other world, you know, saves her parents and realizes that this reality is, it's okay.
0: Yeah. She's able to, um, because she defeats the other mother and escapes and locks her away and throws away the key. Mm -hmm. But the other mother's hand is able to escape and is sentient, you know, kind of like thing from the Adams family. And the spirits of the children come to her and say, hey, thanks, but uh, just so you know, you are still totally fucked. Like, she's going to come for you because you have the key. And she's like, the fuck? Like, I did all this shit. Like, I won. They're like, yeah, you didn't, though. Like, you helped us. That was super cool. But uh, you're probably still going to die. But her and YB are able to uh, team up and defeat it because she leads it to the well, and she's able to... uh, banish her to the well for all eternity and then everything happ- everything turns out to be okay
1: I mean, her parents start spending more time with her.
0: Well, they get their their, their, their thing works, like their uh Right, so their,
1: they're, you know, garden magazine is happening, and they're happy, and they have this this time now to spend with Coraline. And now
0: it's sunny, it's not foggy and rainy.
1: Yeah, and, you know, YB is there, and YB is bringing his grandmother.
0: Mm-hmm
1: to the Pink Palace to show her that the Pink Palace is now a safe place and to tell her what had happened because Wybie's grandmother's sister is was one of was the was one of the kids, yeah, and they're yes. able to.
0: Uh, Coraline is able to provide closure for her,
1: right? So it's a, it's actually it's a, it's a it's an interesting but really happy, it's a mega
0: happy ending.
1: Ending, you know, and the neighbors are there. So Mr. Babinski's there with his mice, and uh, the 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 Vaudeville sisters are there.
0: Spink enforceable,
1: you know, and everyone just seems to be having a really good time. Even the little and Scotty their,
0: dog that was sick got better.
1: Yeah and, you know, everyone's there and they're gardening and, you know... Drinking lemonade. ...kind of realizes that this little weird group of people, that's her family now. Mm -hmm. And and she's okay with that. And she likes this new reality. She likes this new normal for her. Yes. You know, and, and she's willing to, you know... To be, be more positive
0: yeah she's willing to uh, take what it has to give her and you know accept it's flaws because of all the other things that are
1: good so it's a yeah it's a it's a really long way of saying the grass isn't always greener on the other side mm-hmm. but you know if you she, take the time
0: to work in your garden
1: exactly and and there are gardens involved. like it's
0: literally yeah it
1: really is a garden
0: all right, so we are going to take a quick break, So I think that's a good spot to uh, stop on Coraline. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we have a new battle. We have science. We have wine. And, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you'd like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. greetings we are the retro reductipus cephala podcast a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome he's right we wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies toys cartoons I don't know help me out here music pants. Coding video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans! Tasty news! Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia! Butt breathers! Uncomfortable nature facts! Or how to install a samuplage! And unlike all those other podcasts, we at RetroDocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do! So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week... Like me. Worry not, gentle listener. Next week we'll have a whole new host. A problem. Hey! And we are back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Coraline. Um, it's a fun film. If you haven't seen it, definitely uh, check it out. Um, like we said, you know, it's it's similar to the other, um, you know, creepy stop-motion type uh, films that we've seen in the past. Um, you know, like Nightmare Before Christmas or, you know, uh, Frankenweenie. Um, Plus, correctly. she's
1: so cute.
0: It's not currently streaming, uh, except on Stars. Uh, if you have Amazon and you have the Stars uh, subscription, it's on there. Um, but you can rent it for like two dollars on Amazon or Vudu or Google Play, dollar uh, ninety nine Redbox, or you can buy it for eight bucks on pretty much every every platform if you want the digital version. Um, but we have. A new battle this week, and because we have a new battle, you know what that means.
1: We have to play the battle theme! (laughs) All right, so uh, what do we got today? So today we are throwing down Stop Smothering Me, the battle of the maniacal matriarchs. Which mother figure has the most evil intentions? You can choose from the other mother from Coraline, Lady Tremaine from Cinderella, that is Cinderella's stepmother, the evil stepmother, Margaret White, also known as Carrie White's mom, from Carrie, in case mm-hmm. you didn't know. And Mary Jones from Precious. That was Monique's character, Precious. From precious. Not that kind of Precious. You different kind of I mean precious. precious. So, yes. which mother figure has the most evil intentions? Let us know. Hit us up on the Facebook page, on the Twitters, and uh, cast your vote
0: yeah and you can vote you know twice if you're having a tough time vote once on twitter once on uh on uh the uh once on facebook once on twitter uh so for my science fact this week there was know uh, an, an ar- <laughs> oh,
1: that's so interesting there was an
0: article published recently that was all about using scientific research to determine the scariest movie of all time. So a bunch of different test subjects were shown hundreds of hours of horror films, and they were strapped to all these different uh, electrodes and wires and sensors and whatnot. And they came up with uh, some utter fucking garbage, uh, in my opinion. So uh, before I give you the top ten, I'm going to give you some of the films that are outside of the top ten, including The Ring. Uh, I wish I could read what I wrote here at number 12. Uh, I don't know what the hell that says. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street at 13. Um, I wish I could... It looks like it says Halo. Hail. I don't know. I can't read my own writing on because I was writing it while someone was talking. Uh, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre was number 15. Um, the Exorcist was number 17. It was somehow at 19. Uh, Scream at 20. Blair Witch at twenty three, Alien at twenty four. This is uh, this is some bullshit list. So I'm going to give you the top ten movies uh, that are the scariest movies of all time. So number ten, and this again, this is quote unquote scientific. Ten is The Visit, which is M Night Shyamalan. Number nine, The Descent. Uh, Given all of these movies, I think that The Descent should be at the top because I think The Descent uh, I haven't seen all ten of these but I think The Descent is a high quality film and has some amazing uh, claustrophobic terror. Number eight, The Babadook which wasn't scary. The Baba Shook. Uh, Number seven, The Conjuring 2 Number six, shouldn't even be anywhere close to a list of the scariest fucking movies. It follows. Fuck It Follows. It was not a scary movie, and I don't like the message that it portrays. Number five, paranormal activity. Number four, hereditary. Number three, The Conjuring. Number two, insidious. And number one, sinister. Uh Yeah, like I don't under like who did you wire up to this? Like what was the I wanna know what the, uh, the, the, the subject group was, like the control group. Like who were you what was the age range? Like what were the different readings? Did you take an average like what was this? You know, were toddlers more scared of Sinister than they were of the ring? Like what's going on? Like because <laughs> Texas Chainsaw is one of the most frightening films I've ever watched and uh, like the Amityville horrors, not on there. I don't understand how. Like, if it's me, I'm I'm going. You know, Exorcist, Amityville, uh, Texas Chainsaw, three of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I mean, Blair Witch, that was one that was on there, uh, and somehow, like the original Blair Witch, like that was creepy as hell.
1: That was for me. That was terrifying when it because came out.
0: That came out in 1999. And that was like... You know, for a lot of people, that was their introduction to the found footage genre. And, like, there wasn't, like...
1: Well, I mean, it, it kind of kicked off this whole found well, the, footage the new, thing. the
0: new, uh...
1: W- right. I mean, like, it has been done before, but it kicked off this new wave of, of found footage. And it was
0: the first one that really, you know, in the last 25 years or so It was, it was the
1: first th- one that had any that real did it impact. Right. Yes.
0: Because they were the first ones to, you know, do what J.J. J. Abrams likes to do and you know what they call viral marketing because there was a lot of different stuff that came out all the newspaper articles and the missing posters right
1: because of the way that it was marketed because of the way that it was advertised at the time now granted I was like 13 12 or 13 when it came out I was 18. I thought it was real. I did too. I thought this was like a real documentary type thing. Yep. You know, I thought this was a, a real tape of found footage mm-hmm. that somebody found in the woods, you know, and 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 these kids could not be located. I thought this was real. I thought the Blair Witch was real. And I remember my first time watching it was at this Halloween party and what these people did was We all got together, we were all in costume and stuff, we were all watching the Blair Witch, and the parents of my friend had actually gotten all of the other parents involved to do this whole haunted maze. So we watched the Blair Witch, and then we went through the woods where we unbeknownst to us our parents were there to scare us they were all dressed up good you know and and it was it was amazing like looking back on it like did i did your mom was, do it no my dad did though. i was saying, I... my dad oh yeah my dad would would not have turned down the opportunity to he dropped me off and i thought he was dropping me off and picking me back up he dropped me off drove down the street turned around and came back like i had no idea and at the end of this they had made all of the little blair witch symbols out of like sticks and stuff mm-hmm. like twine, and we were just surrounded by all of these blair witch symbols and we all fr- i mean like i my friend and i we were of the youngest of the group there were some uh kids that were in kind of like early high school and stuff we all screamed it was we were terrified and then when like the parents came out we were like ha oh, we got you was this fun or we were all like oh my god that was so good but like i will i will never forget that i always told myself like if i ever like, oh no we're doing this obtain spawn in any way like doing something like that you know just to, it, it was just it was fantastic and i loved that you know and and at that point, like, I liked horror. I hadn't had that much of um, exposure. Yeah, I haven't had that. I hadn't had that much exposure to it. But I really like. I'd seen Scream. I had seen some of the Halloweens and some of the the Friday the 13th. and the the censored versions that they show on cable TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't really like. That was like one of my first like big introductions into horror. And I loved it so much. It was so cool.
0: Yeah. But I anyway, think so, a... so I can
1: understand why the Blair Witch would be on that list.
0: But not but at number like, 23. N- no,
1: but not at number 23. It should be, I, I honestly think it should be higher. I think it's a fantastic film. I thought it was so, you know, the way that they, they took control of everything and the way that they really presented this film I thought was just fantastic. And now I have the urge to watch it. Well,
0: I have the, uh, I have the. Uh, and you
1: don't see anything. That's the thing. It is so terrifying and you really don't see anything.
0: No, I mean, I have the, I have the.
1: Um, we have it on VHS. I was gonna
0: say, I have the VHS. Um, Which is
1: how I watched it like the first time.
0: I saw it in the theater. But uh, what do you got for uh, what do you got for wine this week?
1: So, as you may recall, I have spent the majority of my 2020 trying to find the butteriest Chardonnay that I can find, because last year, uh, back in it was February,
0: forty years ago in February. (laughs) Yeah,
1: of of 2019. Uh, we went, we as in Patsy and I went on this barrel tasting journey of some vineyards up in New Hampshire and we went to one of our favorite vineyards, Zorvino, and we tasted their Chardonnay reserve right out of the barrel. And oh my fucking God, it was the best Chardonnay that I've ever had. Now I'm not a huge fan of white wines. I'll drink them. There are some out there that I really do enjoy, but we all know that I'm mostly, a, uh, I'm a red person. I'm not really a white person. <laughs> so anyways, last year, October 2019, we went to Zorvino for my birthday and I was hell- hellbent dead set on finding this Zorvino Chardonnay. And because it's a of their reserve line, they only make so much of it. And between February, uh, when it was in the barrel, to when it was bottled shortly thereafter, To our next visit in October, they had completely sold out of it. And I was bummed.
0: They were also out of my s'mores wine that I never got to try.
1: But I was, well, how can it be your wine if you hadn't tried it?
0: What's my favorite flavor of stuff?
1: Anyways, so I was really heartbroken about losing out on an entire bottle of this Chardonnay. So I decided that I was going to make it my quest for 2020 to find the most delicious butteriest delectable chardonnay that i can find and i found it and you want to know where i found it
0: ooh where
1: Zorvino what (laughs) so we went back to Zorvino a couple of weeks ago for Ashtoberfest and they have a great little setup you know socially distanced everyone's masked uh, patio setup area where you can order some food little like light bites and apps and stuff. And you can go into the vineyard, uh, the vineyard shop. You can purchase wine by the bottle and drink it out on the patio. They have wine flights available where you can purchase these these you know several different flights with you know just a a random sampling of of some of these their their wines because they aren't doing tastings right now, which you know is understandable. So so we went to Sorvino, and I was like, oh. I wonder if they have any of their Chardonnay because, you know, flashback to last year, they were out of it in October. (gasps) They had some and I got a bottle and I got to tell you this year's batch, not as buttery as last year's batch. And, and that's, you know, that's just something that happens. It happens with the varietals. It happens with, you know, climate it happens we've you know there are so many factors that go into each different years vintage of of wine but it was still the most butteriest wine i've i've had since i had theirs last year so last year and and i, I can still taste it like it, it made that much of an impact um It literally tasted like just buttered, like delicious buttered popcorn.
0: I never get butter when I drink. Like, I don't understand (laughs) where you're getting butter, but I Um, don't have a sophisticated palate.
1: You know, well, well, it wasn't, it was a little fruity on the, the front of the palate, but like that back palate, oh, it was, it was, it was all just buttered popcorn and it was so good. This year's batch, it was a little more, um, of like a toasted vanilla and like a like a lemony like slight citrus flavor on the front of the palate but then the back of the palate so I didn't get so much buttered popcorn but it was butterscotch and it was so good like just hardcore just butterscotch flavor on the back of the palate and oh it was it was just Alright, I need I should have gotten more than one. But I got one bottle because I was like, oh, I'll play it safe because I'm not sure if it's gonna taste like last year's. I'm not sure if I'm gonna like this year's varietal as as much as I liked last year's. I should have gotten multiple bottles because it's just it's so good and it's honestly better than any of the Chardonnays that I've tried. So I do have a couple, you know, that I've tried that I really like and I've revisited on occasion, like the Butter Chardonnay or that, uh, I think it was Robert Mondalvi, Mondavi. The um.
0: To be fair, we did buy 13 bottles of wine that day.
1: The Chardonnay aged in the rum barrels. I do that. That's pretty good. But yeah, the Zorvino vineyards, their Chardonnay reserve American white wine. So they describe it as butterscotch and vanilla flavors with a hint of lemon. It's barrel aged and it's only limited to 40 cases. So it's like a super reserve. So I'm really surprised After that they case, had. this case the next
0: case, we're only going to have one case left.
1: <laughs> so I'm really surprised that they had any left. But it is delicious. And what's fantastic about Zorvino is that they deliver. You can order online. And I know some states aren't too keen with the yeah, it whole ordering of live. the liquor. But um, they do deliver to most states so if you are interested it's zorvino z-o-r-v-i-n-o vineyards they're located in sandown new hampshire and it is so Good. And it's only $15 for this bottle, for this Mm. super limited bottle of reserve Chardonnay. It's excellent. $15. So I I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's of, of all the Chardonnays that I've tried, and I've tried, there are some I haven't even spoken about because didn't like them and And i'm not gonna sit here and talk about wine. yeah i'm not gonna sit there and talk about a wine that you know i if i can't recommend it i'm not gonna talk about it but this it's just it's it's so fantastic and you know getting into kind of like the cooler weather it's definitely a white wine tends to be a little lighter
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But this is definitely like a full-bodied white wine, so it'll be perfect to carry you into these these cooler months that are coming. So, so yeah, the Chardonnay Reserve from Zorvino Vineyards, I, I cannot recommend it enough.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it was really good, and I'm not really a, a Chardonnay person. Like, we got Chardonnay. home... Chardonnay! We got home, and, like, you drank the bottle of Chardonnay right when we got home. It was my birthday. Yes. So... Um,
1: it's my party and I'll Chardonnay if I want to. Okay.
0: Chardonnay away. Chardonnay, you stay.
1: Now watch me sip my Chardonnay-nay.
0: Now watch me sip,
1: sip my Chardonnay-nay. I
0: don't know what that is.
1: It's a stupid song. Anyways. So
0: next week we are going to be discussing, uh. A
1: very important political character. uh, Yes.
0: Uh, Borat Sagdiev. Uh, we're going to be covering. Not
1: live!
0: Yeah, get ready for that. Uh, we're going to be covering uh, both uh, movies, like the original and the uh, subsequent movie film.
1: I haven't seen the original.
0: So this is so going to be, is gonna an be an a experience. first time
1: watch for me. Yeah,
0: she has never I've seen, never seen, seen Borat. I saw Borat in the theater. So.
1: That's nice!
0: Yeah, so that, get again, get ready for that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's what, that's our plan for next week. And uh, we'll have battle results for you and all that good stuff. And uh, so I think with that being said, we, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Happy
1: Halloween.
0: Spooky.